Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we are joined by the wonderful Philippa Sue to talk all about her current projects, her movie One True Loves, and her current stage revival of Camelot. And, and starting with the movie, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you kind of like immediately were drawn in and found a lot of complexity to this character because she's put in this position of having to make an untenable decision where she knows that whatever she does, she's going to hurt someone's feelings. Um, and I love that it sounds like you were really kind of drawn into the complexity of that and someone that knows that whatever decision they they make is never going to be 100% perfect and really allowing for a lot of the fallibility and the vulnerability of that. Um, and so I was interested in kind of how you developed her as a character and made sure that it wasn't just this idea of tying everything up neatly in a bow, but really also leaned into the side of, of kind of the flaws of that situation for her as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of, um, you articulated it very well, which is that uh, th there's a lot of like gray area in this decision that nobody's really gonna win. The outcome is not gonna be happily ever after. So, as an actor and, and as a storyteller, I feel like that's where the goods lie. That's where we have to ask ourselves, how can we be better humans? Or like, what, what what's the best version of myself that I can be in a really hard situation? Um, and, you know, especially for Emma, I think she had a really long journey in terms of just growing up uh, being forced to have to deal with this this horrible trauma and then dealing with the joy and happiness and also the devastation of having someone who you think is gone and has left you forever um, has miraculously come back to life. Um, so, you know, in terms of just getting to play those, the, the complication of those scenes, like that's just like a, a feast for an actor. Um, and so I was really drawn to that and excited and um, especially, you know, getting to work with Simo and Luke on, on the relationships that, that these characters had. It was just like really um, fruitful and, and full and, and fun to make. And in working with Simu and Luke, what I love about watching the dynamic of those two different relationships at play is, you know, they both feel incredibly fleshed out. We really get to see kind of the, the beginning genesis all the way through each of what those relationships have looked like. And they both feel very fully fleshed out and, and deep, but they also feel very specific to the two of them and what they each bring out in her. And yet it's not that she's absorbing herself into a different version of who she is for somebody else. It's just the growth that she's going on through her own life in the meantime. Um, and so how did you work to really figure out what are the aspects that are really going to come to the foreground based on the relationships and based on the places that she's at in her life? Because it's a little bit different with both of them. Yeah, I mean, like, just especially in a, in a situation where you're shooting something, like you do everything out of order. Um, so I, I feel like a really good check-in was always just being like, okay, where are we today? <laughs> what has happened just chronologically in the plot of the story, just, um, going through the script and reminding myself of the circumstances and the timeline, uh, was really helpful. And, you know, like, I, I think that there was something, um, playful and and fun just just in terms of being on set and being encouraged to um especially in in the moments where jesse and emma or sam and emma are meeting or or um reconnecting for the first time in a long time those like very sparkly little moments where you see some sort of connection between these characters um it's just really playful and i think we were encouraged to 
find the sweet little flirtations and that might not necessarily have looked like something that was on the page, but was something that, you know, these two characters were, were, were connecting through, you know, the instruments in this music store or, um, you know, getting to know Jesse and, and all these trips around the world, that there was just like a magical spark there that can only be found when you have two actors who I think are comfortable being open and playful and um, up for anything and, and willing to just respond and be present in the moment. Right. And it, you know, in terms of, of the way that we see the development of those relationships, there's kind of a little montage moment that we get to experience with both of those. But that's so many different moments to kind of dive into filming. And so I was really interested in just the dynamic of, of filming these little kind of like snapshot scenes where you're not necessarily kind of playing a fully fledged out moment with dialogue, but you know how crucial it is in terms of just building those different roadblocks to the different stages of a relationship coming together. Yeah. I mean, like something really great about the book. Um, there were just like all these little passages uh, where Taylor describes, you know, this world and um, the dynamics of all of the, these people that are, you know, in this family and um, in this town in Acton. And I feel like, you know, you have such a, a, a wide range of scope to be able to write as much as you want and describe in detail all those like little things. But when you're, making a film you know you almost have to compact all of those beautiful details into like singular moments so that really becomes about distilling you know what someone is trying to convey in a page long passage in a book distilling it into like two seconds in a montage um it's challenging but also at the same time i think that um that's that's what's so so beautiful about both mediums that there's poetry in, in something that's only two seconds long and there's poetry in a passage that is three pages long um and it's just a matter of honestly just finding the truth within that whatever that may be i mean there's a phrase that um i've heard before as an actor and i think it can apply to any form of art which is truth has no size um that it can be big or small, it can be long or short. If it's truthful and it's connected and human, um, then it's right. I also really love getting to kind of watch a character go on that journey of just the things that she wants in the world shift and change into something different. And at the beginning it's, traveling and discovering new places and then she reaches a space even where she's talking about I never knew if I wanted to have kids but now I feel very certain that that's something I want and I want to do it here and I want to be close to my family and I do want to run this bookstore that I never used to want to growing up you know I always was trying to escape this and I thought that was an interesting journey to kind of have to really chart because it's very internal for the character um, and so how did you work to really find those different beats of okay, if this is the, the end place where she's kind of leading towards in the film, how do I go from the beginning version and make sure that every kind of gradual shift and evolution in the character feels like we're getting to that place very truthfully for her? Well, I think like a fun game to play uh, is always like, how far can I make my journey? So if she's more, if she's like an adventurous type and turns a little bit more into someone who wants to find her life and her adventure in her home and in her town, um, she, like how how adventurous can she be? Like how much does she really want to leave this place? What's at stake if she doesn't? Um, really making that like a really strong pull 
uh, and choice for her in the beginning so that by the end she can have like a really long, beautiful shift into what she wants um, towards the end of this story. Um, and I think the same applies just like scene by scene. Like how can you enter the scene knowing the least amount possible so that by the end of it, you have will have changed in some sort of, I would say not necessarily big way, but a way that's worthy of the story. Like why, why is this moment important for us to see? There's so many moments in her life that we could be a fly on the wall watching, but we're choosing this part in the story and so, you know, when those shifts happen, the clarity is, is only made more clear, I think, by making a choice to really like define what that shift is for, for a character. And because kind of going back to what you were talking about before a little bit in terms of the the two relationships that she has with the men in her life in the film, um, you know, being slightly different, was there also kind of things that became very specific to working on scenes with Luke and working on scenes with Simu and how you were finding a lot of that unspoken dialogue in terms of, you know, the mannerisms, the body language, the small looks that they make that really tell us so much about their relationship just as much as the dialogue? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess what's interesting with, um, with well, well, so I'll start with Simu, which was that like, she's at, she's meeting, re-meeting him in a phase of her life where she has really done a lot of growing up. Um, so I think that there's an element of groundedness to her. Um, uh, I, I think just a maturity that exists that comes with having had some really intense experiences throughout your life. Um, so with that, I think also comes like a level of confidence, really. Like just, I've, I've been through literally the worst thing I could possibly imagine. Emma has, right? And so this flirtation, this new relationship, it, the, you know, it just sits in my body differently because I'm a more grown, much more person. Um, so that was very easy to sort of like anchor on to um, just because I feel like it, it's more connected to where I am in my life. Um, now having had, you know, a, a bunch of experiences that have led me to this moment and um, feeling confident in my own relationships. But uh, with Jesse, with playing scenes with Luke, it was really interesting because there's two phases. One is pre the, his death and one is post his death and his reincarnation basically um so there was a lot more ground to cover in terms of just the youthfulness of their relationship and the sort of like very um uh, young sparkly like fresh raw like beautiful intensity that comes with a, a very new relationship and especially like young love like that where you've known each other since high school and you end up getting married and you've had all these adventures and it's very like free and fast and fun. And then the tables have turned and then getting to play the scenes with Luke after he's come back, you know, it's just, for lack of a better word, like it's really fun. It's fun for an actor to play those dynamics because your circumstances are not only just your given circumstances are not only like I have a love for this person, but also like I am a different person. <laughs> so what does that what does that mean? And it's and the the searching for that answer is the fun part. And did you have moments where you would go into scenes and kind of play around with different directions of 
how much is she being pulled in in each direction because that in turn with everything that you were just describing really impacts which side of her she's kind of accessing in terms of am I leaning back towards this version of myself that was before the version that I am or am I at some space in the middle and depending on how you play any of those scenes in terms of which way she's leaning also then in turn impacts kind of which version of her is, is coming forward a little bit more as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, my job was made very easy because um, the circumstances were always very clear. So it was just a matter of reminding myself, you know, where I'm at in time and space as this character. Um, and being open, truly, I, I think like it's so, um, it, there's it's so delicate and intimate and nuanced, these like dynamics between these characters. So some takes, you know, we would find some different colors in terms of just maybe their anger or their um, displeasure at the moment, or we'd find some different colors at their, their level of empathy and their ability to be um, uh, a bigger human in a very hard circumstance and come to the table with an adult <laughs> approach. Um, Meanwhile, still feeling like all you want to do is like scream and cry and tear your hair out. Like, how can you overcome that and actually be available to your loved one, to your partner, um, to to this character that you're playing a scene with and let them know that you are there to be helpful to them? Because ultimately, I think that's what we want. We just want to be the best person that we can be. Yes, we have our own flaws, but we just want to be helpful truly if we really love someone you know as flawed as we are when we're speaking to them we're making decisions or trying to figure something out together I just feel like there was an effort overall with her family with Emma's family with Emma's relationship to Sam with Emma's relationship to Jesse this overall like uh effort to just be at the best person that you can be that everybody's really trying at the end of the day and maybe not necessarily succeeding, but everybody's at least trying. And what's really impressive is, is when you step back and realize the way that you've kind of charted this entire journey for Emma and we're watching the length of a film, but you've charted this journey over the course of so many years in terms of her life. And it never feels like it's kind of like jolting us from one place to the other. And so I was just interested in terms of what the challenges were and really trying to, you know, what you were saying before about like find that truthfulness and and the different kind of nuances of where she's at at each stage and and how far to carry her in any particular moment, given that you're you're looking at such an extreme amount of time that you're really looking at this journey for her for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the fun part about filmmaking is that there were a lot of different versions um, of each scene and only one of them was chosen to be in the film. So like I, I have a, a, an immense trust in the process that, you know, I guess that's the fun part of this collaboration is that you are responsible for only a small part of the storytelling um, when you're making a film. And ultimately somebody else is making a call as to what ends up, you know, on the cutting room floor and what ends up in the film, um, which is really fun because, you know, unlike in theater, you can't do different takes, you can't do different versions and then have something cohesive at the end. You know, there's there's definitely a decision made and also a, a moment in the present that requires you to fully be there and you never know what it's gonna be either, but um, both are very exciting. 
And and speaking of of theater and and Camelot, which is up at Lincoln Center right now, um, you know, it's it's such a great process to get to spend that much time with a character in theater, going through all of the workshopping and the rehearsals. And and before we started, you were talking a little bit about how even during previews, it's still rehearsals for several hours during the day and really just kind of workshopping through scenes before going on at night in front of an audience and and feeling out what's working and what's hitting in the right way. And so as you've kind of approached the character of, of Guinevere for Camelot, what have been some of those, those little kind of evolutions that you found in her along the way when you look back to how you first came into playing her at the beginning of rehearsals and workshopping her to kind of the version that we're now seeing on stage? I mean, it's still changing. That's the thing. And that's also something that I don't think I learned until I had a couple of long runs under my belt. Um, you build something and it deepens and uh, changes as you continue. I mean, you have a requirement as an actor to go where you're supposed to go, hit the marks, stand in your light, do the choreography, say the words. But in terms of the like the, the, the push and pull between two characters, I mean, it, what's really fun is that I get to go to work and work with incredible people who are very present and constantly searching. And, um, you know, like I'm not the same person day to day. I might come in tired or sick or energized or I've had a cup of coffee before a show, you know, that will affect where Guinevere's at. It's not necessarily indicative of her character, but it certainly isn't indicative of where she could be at. She could be having a low day where she's tired and it's raining outside. <laughs> you know, she could also have had a cup of coffee. Um, so what's fun about that is that it really truly is a different experience every day. And it, and considering the fact that we have to do it eight times a week and hopefully for months, um, it's refreshing to to be able to find those nuances and those those new moments. And and what's really interesting about this this iteration and this version is it feels like it's really honoring the classical elements and kind of finding this real current time period that that kind of like seeps out of it as well while you're watching it. Um, you know, and a lot of that comes from Aaron Sorkin writing the book and and really thinking very specifically about the lens of every scene and every moment and. Um, one of one of those iterations that I wanted to ask you about is even just some of the musical numbers, like um, what do the simple folk do, which at one point he debated whether that should be in the musical or not. And there's this really wonderful kind of like sense of humor that comes in, in this real levity in that moment that really kind of plays quite nicely and and makes it even more of a dialogue and a conversation as, as a musical number. And so I was just interested about that that journey and that process of really kind of looking at every individual moment and thinking about the classical element as well as the modern element coming into it and, and the lens that you could bring that maybe sometimes is different to the historical elements because obviously this is a very modern iteration and retelling of it. Yeah, I, I feel like the best metaphor I can think of is cooking. <laughs> um, you know, once you decide to put an ingredient in or take an ingredient out, you sometimes don't know what you need until you've actually made a decision, which is why in you know the pre-rehearsal process, in the rehearsal process, it's so important to just, and which is what we were doing a lot of, was just trying things and seeing what worked. And, you know, like cooking, when you add in something new, um, you might realize like, oh, there's a flavor profile here that I wasn't thinking about 
that actually requires me to go back and add a little bit of this just so that it can bring out fully what we're trying to add to it. So in terms of what do the simple folk do? Um, when I entered into the process, it was not in the show. It was not in the script. It was not there. And on the page, I was like, this makes sense to me. The reasons why they didn't want it to put it, want to put it there right away felt like it made sense because, um, you know, where these royals are coming from and the tone, the sense of humor that comes with the song, what came with the song originally wasn't necessarily where we were at uh, in the story. So I understood why, why, why it wasn't there. Um, but then we had a couple of read-throughs and what, what became obvious to me is that we weren't seeing a moment where Arthur and Guinevere were connecting. Um, right before like this moment this great moment in the story where like they're connecting and they're actually seeing each other and they actually might get there they might make it and then Mordred comes in with a letter so without that the impact of Mordred's letter is not as strong the impact of them of the failure of this not only their relationship as uh king and queen and their effort to turn this dark chaotic place into a place of justice and democracy and civility and decency um seeing the the weight of that failing because we've seen them almost get there is even more devastating so in terms of the function of the the song it became very apparent like yes we do need this song but getting into it became another discussion because how can two people who are so um, aware of their, their place in this kingdom um, be, be like unaware of the fact that they're talking about simple folk, you know, like that didn't seem congruous, but then of course you have an incredible writer like Aaron Sorkin coming in and giving you just like the most like beautiful, economic like perfect amount of dialogue that puts them in a place where they're fully aware of what they're talking about and fully aware of the language that they're using and now have ownership over this language um so it, it ended up working i i think and um ultimately being such a fun like beautiful in the moment um exercise for for these two characters to be able to just like try and figure each other out I mean it's like a dance I mean they actually end up do dancing which is fun but it's this like beautiful back and forth and it really just feels like we get to see their love blossoming in a beautiful way in that moment and and in terms of the emotions that exist you know both with Arthur and both with Lancelot there's such an undercurrent of unspoken moments throughout the entire play and throughout the entire story with both of those and, you know, obviously in, in theater, it's, it's quite interesting in terms of how you create such an unspoken kind of like minute nuanced performance and make it feel very intimate and connected to the audience. And it really does when you're in the theater. Um, and I was just interested in terms of like what the challenges are and making sure that you're always kind of like capturing those, those smaller moments and, and those intimacies that are really going to translate to the audience and, and kind of like perform in the way that they need to in the theater at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it was so much fun. And, and I have to give um, so much credit to our 
wonderful director, Bartlett Cher, who the entire time was guiding us through these very nuanced moments. And, uh, you know, the, this incredible script, the dialogue is just on fire and getting to say it and, and live in that world and, and, and play these characters. It's just like an actor's dream. And then getting to work with someone like Bartlett, who is able to craft from that um, something that may not necessarily be just what's on the page. I mean, I think there's like something very Chekhovian about it. I think it's, it's something like, you know, it harkens to like Shaw and like these very um, heightened plays where people are talking a lot about something and they might not necessarily be playing an action that is aligned with what they're talking about, which I think is really fun. Like that's the, the fun part. Like someone might be saying, um, like one of your says, you know, he, he says, uh, maybe you should tell him, Arthur is talking about the, um, uh, about Lancelot being invested into the Knights of the Round Table. And he says to Guinevere, maybe you should tell him. I'm sure he'd love to hear it from a, another child of France. And her response is, this is my country now. And there's many different ways to play that. Is she mad at him? Is she trying to align herself with him? Is she unsure of what he means and is trying to understand him? Like there's so many actions to play on this beautiful dialogue. And I think that was like the juicy stuff that we got to find in rehearsal that we're still finding um, because what they say is not necessarily what they're doing. Um, what they mean isn't necessarily what they say. Um, so it was, yeah, it's, it's like, it's the best. It's the best stuff that an actor could ask for, truly. And I, I think similarly, it's a, you know, it's, it's such a great journey again to like get to chart for a character when we meet her at the beginning and she's escaping the carriage and it's, you know, just this like desire for rebellion and romance and, and for things to feel very heightened. And, yeah. and again, it's, that brings her to a completely different place by the end of the play. Um, and so what were kind of the most important moments or, or beats that you really worked to find to kind of like chart that journey similarly? Well, you know, I just, I was talking to someone the other day about the costumes uh, of the show because truly like so much of my character work was accomplished by understanding what I was wearing, <laughs> which I think is a huge credit to Jen Mahler who designed these incredible costumes. I mean, you know, the minute that you see a character enter the space and what they are wearing, you know exact, you know what season it is, you know who they are, you know what they're uh, culturally, wh where they're coming from, whether they're from France or whether they're from England. Um, you have an idea of where they are in terms of feeling comfortable in their body, the details. I mean, like it was just so specifically designed and having seen all of those images um, of Guinevere, her sketches, like from day one of rehearsal was just so helpful because, you know, the beginning she comes in these leather pants and a cape, which is very different from what we traditionally have seen, which is like a big poofy, floofy wedding dress. Um, and to me, I was like, oh, I know exactly how to play this scene based on literally alone what she is wearing. <laughs> You know, there's there's so much storytelling that's there. And and truly, like, Jen Mahler is, is just so fantastic. And her collaboration with Bart, with Bart was so wonderful because they really were like, no, we really want it to be 
obvious that she has run away from her carriage and she this, this is the life that she is running from is not the life that she is running to. <laughs> um, and so like, what does that evoke? Like wearing pants and like not being in a dress and not being weighed down by some, you know, formality, who can she be? Um, which I think really allowed that first scene to, 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 for us to see Guinevere as quite honestly, like who she is, like the woman behind the dress, the woman behind the crown, like who is she as a woman? And we get to see her right off the bat as that woman, like right from the get go, which I think is just like so wonderful and so innovative and wonderful about, about this version. Yeah, I agree. The, the costumes are absolutely stunning. And I really loved your performance in both of these projects. So thank you so much for talking to me about these. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate it.